Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Well, 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 friends. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your host, Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News. I have to introduce myself every week, of course, because there's new people here every week. And welcome to the show if you're new. Welcome back if you're not. Thank you guys for supporting the the show, the program, the ramblings of a man lost in a world of pop culture. Thank you guys every every uh, every week, of course, for coming and, and listening and settling down and enjoying what I have to talk about. Again, you know, we pride ourselves here on Nixner News for taking a different approach and different opinions than most. And, you know, we got a doozy this week because two major things decided to happen at the same time last week with the Game Awards and the Disney Investor Day, which just kind of showed up out of nowhere. And I don't want to, like, waste any time today because there is a lot of things to talk about. And I know I said last week I was going to talk about Cyberpunk, and unfortunately just some personal things going on have prevented me from really getting too deep into it. And... I'm very happy that I have a Series X to play on because it looks like shit on base Xbox One and base PS4. And and granted, I wouldn't have been playing on that anyway because I would have been playing on my One X. And it still is okay there. It's not great. Um, PC is looking like the best. Stadia is looking like the best, surprisingly, for, for it. And... We'll talk more about Cyberpunk, but just unfortunately, I have not been able to sink a whole lot of time into it. Hopefully that will change uh, with next week's episode, but I it I don't know. I don't I can't say anything too much. I did have to turn off film grain. I did have to turn off the uh, lens flare just because it was just a little annoying when I was playing, but we'll talk more about it next week for sure when I can really sink more time into it but let's get let's get into the meat and potatoes of this week as we get closer and closer to christmas and we're gonna start with what i think is the wildest story i've seen in quite a long time in the uk gangs are stealing ps5s off of moving vehicles yes this is something right out of the first uh, Fast and the Furious movie. And, yeah, (laughs) per the Times, which is the the newspaper of London, that TVs and PS5s and a slew of other products are being stolen from trucks that are in movement at least almost 30 times in the UK this year. And it's only been going up with Christmas approaching. Uh, They call it a rollover, and multiple cars will box in a moving truck. Someone's wearing a rope. Someone climbs the rope, 
and they hop into the truck and throw the goods out the back into one of the cars. Yeah. Straight up out of, out of Fast and the Furious. People are stealing PS5s and other products off moving vehicles. Moving vehicles. Moving vehicles all for a PS5. I'm telling you folks, the world has lost its damn mind. Like, really, dude? I know they're hot commodities, but are they really going to be able to flip them? Like, like, that's just a wild story, and it just fits 2020. And, I it, like, I don't even know. I just wanted to talk about it because of how ridiculous it was. But, but moving on, we're going to get an awesome, awesome addition to vinyl soundtracks this year. And if you are a vinyl collector and you are a gamer, well, you're in luck because Miles Morales, the Spider-Man Miles Morales game, is getting a vinyl soundtrack release. That game has some lo-fi beats that are just phenomenal. And that is a solid soundtrack to have. And it's probably one of the best soundtracks in any games. And like I said, I'd love just swinging around in that game. And the beats to swing around to are perfect. So I, I'm pretty sure Mondo is releasing it. But the Miles Morales video game is getting a vinyl soundtrack release uh, early next year. And it is completely and totally worth it if you have a record player and you like games. That is something you should definitely invest in. It will be a collector's item. Uh, it's totally, totally worth it. Also got news from Ubisoft that Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, the game, will be re-released in January of next year on Xbox One, Stadia, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch, and PC uh, to play your beat-em-up fantasies. Solid game, it's about 10 years old, uh, went along with the movie. It sucks that it's been unavailable for so long, but it now is available once again, and uh, January 14th to be exact, so... About a month, a month away, essentially. About a month away. Uh, today, if you guys are playing Warzone and Call of Duty Cold War, Warzone has gotten its full Cold War integration today, as well as a new map and some other features. So if you guys haven't downloaded that update, make sure to do that now. We also got news that the new Square Enix project, uh, Project Athia, will be a PS5, I don't know why I was saying that, PlayStation 5 exclusive for at least two years. So it's possible it could stay permanent PS5 exclusive, or in two years it may come to PC, Xbox, maybe something. Probably not Xbox, not going to lie, but probably PC at that point. But at least two years. We don't really know whole a whole lot about that game other than just some teaser trailer and things like that. And I'm sure it's at least a year or two away from release. Uh, as that will be a completely PS5 game and not on PS4 as well. Uh, Microsoft has announced that Project xCloud uh, will release on iOS and PC in the spring. So iOS uh, people have kind of been like short on luck when it came to Xbox streaming on their phone and Project xCloud and things like that. And that mainly has to do with like Apple App Store rules and things like that. But that will change, of course, with... 
with the springtime when they do finally release on pro, uh, iOS devices and on PC. But granted, I mean, most people on PC probably have Game Pass. They don't really need xCloud. But it will be a welcome addition for people who have a PC and an Xbox so they can uh, maybe play games on their PC if they're not able to play on their Xbox at the time. And... Uh, I do want to talk about a couple other things. Netflix is developing a Sonic TV show. Uh, no word yet on if it will be connected to the movie or if it will be uh, its own standalone thing. It will be animated. Uh, it won't be live action or anything like that. So keep that in mind. Uh, Cyberpunk, I know we were talking about it in a little bit, has broken records for Steam, um, like concurrent Steam players in a single player game, which... Uh, it, it, it's beat the previous record by double, essentially. Uh, per Steam database, it saw a record high of 1,003,262 players within hours of its launch, which beat uh, Fallout 4, which its highest was 472,000. That was back in 2015, so it's been about five years. And granted, that that's just Steam, because Cyberpunk was available through other means on PC, and then, oh, where was it? And then it, it broke the record again. And it's all-time con all concurrent player record with a peak of 24,804,148 users. That's crazy. Crazy, crazy. So Steam has broken its own record. So that's all people on Steam. And they said it, it helped reach that because of Cyberpunk. Wow, dude. Wow. That also includes 648,000 users on Dota 2. Among Us had 173,000. And Rocket League had 121,000. That's all, all at the same time, essentially. Which is nuts to think about. And it just goes to show you how many people are playing games because of lockdowns and other things going on in the world right now. Just a, It's a crazy time for gamers. It's why you can't find a PS5. It's why you can't find a Series X. Just like everyone wants to game because they're home to game. That's essentially why. But that's, um, yeah, that's cool, actually. That's really cool. I, I do want to go back to Cyberpunk a minute. And, you know, they promised this game as a last-gen title. You know, current. they called it current-gen at the time because we hadn't had Series X and PS5. And in reality, that wasn't exactly true because... They're not playing well on last gen. They're only playing well on PS4 Pro. They're not even well. Decent, I should say. On PS4 Pro and Xbox One X. They're not playing well on the vanilla PS4. On the original Xbox One. They're just not. They look like shit. They look like garbage. And it's pretty fucking sad. That they said that and claimed that. And I just... I feel really bad for people that are playing it on those consoles that were told that it would be playable and and it it's pretty much not and that's all aside from the bugs and things that are that are happening and i just i feel bad for those people and i i am almost happy that i don't want to rub it in people's faces that i have a next gen console or that i would have been playing on a 1x 
It's just like that's I, I don't I'm not really like that. I'm not that type of person. I mean, I am with my friends, but that's different because it's just like everybody clowns on each other. But it, it's it's it shouldn't be this way, right? It shouldn't be that that it, it's looking and playing better on next gen. Obviously, it's going to happen. That's just how things work. But when they promise something and then it's not fucking true, it's just it's really bad. It's really fucking bad, and I am just. I feel so sorry for the people that were essentially lied to. And I don't know. I think this game could have benefited from a little bit more polish. And I know things that are going on probably didn't help. Because a lot of developers have had to shift to a new approach to development. And I don't know, man. I just don't want to talk about the negativity anymore. And... With that, let's switch gears, and we finally have a release window for Halo Infinite. A new release window, I should say, because technically we all could have been playing it right now. It has been shifted to Fall 2021, and new screenshots were released, as well as uh, some in-game, not footage, but essentially images captured from in-game and a lot of people are thinking that it's going to coincide from uh, coincide with the 20th anniversary of halo combat evolved so november 15th 2021 it's almost a full year after when it should have come out and a new blog post on three four or on halo waypoint essentially outlined um a lot of the new announcements and changes and Joseph Staten has officially transitioned to like game director or or however you want to call it on on Halo Infinite, uh, and he he's got a, a long history with with Halo. He worked uh, at Bungie for a long time on the original Halo, and then he left for a little while, and now is is back at three four three and and heading up the team, and. Yeah, so he, he made Halo, he made Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST, and Halo Reach. He was on the design side, uh, he voiced some grunts, uh, cinematic director, creative director, all those types of things. So he's baked into Halo. And he's back, essentially. Uh, after July, he's dived back in, and now he is the project lead or something I'm, I'm looking for his official title I don't remember but he's essentially running Halo Infinite at this point and there's been major leaps and bounds on graphics alone already they showed off a screenshot uh, two screenshots to be exact of two different multiplayer maps and they look gorgeous they look amazing they showed off some weapon details, and oh my god, they look so crisp and clean, and I I don't think the game needed another year based off the screenshots, but again, screenshots can be, you know, enhanced a bit, but the weapons look closer to how they should for a Halo game compared to what they looked like uh, the last time we saw Halo 5 running, which was in July. And 
we got to look at some of the, the armor customization and we're going to have reach levels of customization they clarified and on top of that more. And it just, it looks so freaking good. Especially they have an armor uh, called Defend, uh, Noble Defender. It's an armor coating. That's what they're calling it now. And it's, it's supposed to emulate Jorge from Halo Reach, who you guys all know Jorge is my second favorite Spartan. And, God, it looks so fucking beautiful. It just looks so crisp and clean. And it sucks that we have to wait a year to, to get the game. And I just, I'm happy they've made these changes. I just wish it was coming out in spring like a lot of people were thinking because why not, right? You know, it's, um, why not? Because it, it shouldn't need a whole year. But then you think about it, it's the 20th anniversary of the franchise and the first game next year. So, hey, why not just uh, just release it on its 20th anniversary? And that, that makes that makes more sense, I guess, if you think about it. And... They've made a lot of changes, they said, and unfortunately we might lose Craig, uh, you know, the the brute that became a meme, but it, it's, it's okay. It's okay, and I think it's making changes that are necessary, and I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just, we just need a good Halo game. We just need a good Halo game, and that's all we need, and that's all I want, and uh, I gotta wait a year. Whatever. I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna cry over it anymore. And hopefully, hopefully this means more and more content will keep dropping in the near future, as it should have been out. But no. But hopefully we don't have to wait long to learn about multiplayer flighting because they always do that with Halo. And hopefully we'll get more and more screenshots and information as the game continues in development for an extra year. I'm calling it now, though, like everybody else is. It's probably going to release on the 20th anniversary, so November 15th. But the biggest thing to talk about gaming-wise this week is the Game Awards. Because, obviously, a lot of big news and announcements are always made at the Game Awards, as well as, you know, what wins the awards. (laughs) And... No shocker here, Game of the Year was Last of Us Part 2, Best Game Direction was Last of Us Part 2, Best Narrative was The Last of Us Part 2, Ghost of Tsushima won Best Art Direction, Best Score Music was Final Fantasy VII Remake, Best Performance was Laura Bailey from The Last of Us Part 2, Best Ongoing Game was No Man's Sky, Best Indie Game was Hades, Best Mobile Game was Among Us. Best Community Support was Fall Guys. VR AR game, Half-Life Alex. Best Action Game was Hades. Best Action Adventure was Last of Us 2. Final Fantasy VII Remake was Best RPG. Best Fighting Game, Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate. Best Family Game, Animal Crossing. Best Sports Game, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Microsoft Flight Simulator won Best Sim Strategy Game. Not many games came out, though, if you, like, really sit down and look at it. Um, But let's talk about what was announced and what was revealed. Quite a few things were revealed. I only really want to talk about stuff that 
pertains to what I like and what you guys might be interested in, at least if you're listening to my show, I know what you're listening, interested in, to a point. Uh, the, the, a new fighter was announced for Smash, and it's Sephiroth, which is very unexpected. And, like, I know Cloud and other Final Fantasy fighters are in it, but, like, Sephiroth, really? And in the trailer announcement, it looks like Sephiroth straight up, like, fucking killed Mario... And Mario's, like, literally hanging at the end of his, like, stupid long sword. But then it cuts to, oh, his his suspender, his overalls are just caught on the sword. I'm just like, wow, Nintendo, you really fucking with us right now. Like, that's nuts, dude. Bruh. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I thought they straight up killed Mario. I was like, oh, is Smash getting a, 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 a mature update, too, with, with Sephiroth coming? Uh, but that's a that's really actually fucking cool. Sep- Sephiroth's coming to Smash. Arc Two was announced. Uh, you know, Arc the I guess it's an MMO with like the dinosaurs and shit will be an Xbox exclusive. And Vin Diesel's in the game, and he's also a developer now on the game. Which Vin Diesel like dropped like a mixtape I think recently, and now he's game developing like. What are you doing, Vin? Like, you trying to... Now that Fast is coming to an end soon, like, are you trying to branch into different things? Like, what's going on over there? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Ark will also get an animated series based off the game as well. A new Evil Dead game was announced with Bruce Campbell, and it looks like it's going to be retelling the original movies, from what I can see. From what the trailer showed off, at least. Or it will be a reimagining of some sort of the films. But Bruce Campbell is back, and that's all that matters. He's back as Ash. Ghost and Goblins, the classic franchise, will be getting a, a reboot, redo, a new entry in the series that will be coming to Nintendo Switch next year. Master Chief is coming to Fortnite. Son of a bitch. But it's allowed for some cool screenshots of Kratos and Master Chief interacting on Fortnite. But that's not the only bit of Halo content. Uh, Blood Gulch as a map will also be coming. And what's funny is they used uh, the cast of Red vs. Blue to kind of introduce that level coming to like the creative mode or whatever. And they make a meta joke about all the different names that map has been called over the years. And I still fucking hate that it's Fortnite. But you know what? Whatever, dude. Whatever, as long as it gets people introduced to Master Chief, maybe more people interested in Halo again, I'm all for it. And a final thing that I thought was really cool is we finally got an idea of what the initiative is working on. That's Microsoft's new AAA studio that has a lot of heavy hitters from the game industry. And their new game is going to be a reboot of the Perfect Dark franchise. Uh, Perfect Dark, of course, started back on the N64 with Rare. Microsoft attained the rights when they purchased Rare, so Rare will not be making this one. Uh, And, of course, Perfect Dark Zero launched on the 360 back in the day, so we haven't had a Perfect Dark game in quite a long time. Uh, This one looks to be less sci-fi. I mean, it's still sci-fi, but less, like, crazy sci-fi than the last two one's more near future it looks like and not so much aliens but like bioengineering type things so no release date though obviously just on xbox series x or s and will probably come in the next two years because they've been working on it for about two or three 
Most games take about five years to make. But that is the new upcoming game from the initiative. So be on the lookout for that. That is it for gaming this week. Like I said, we'll talk more about Cyberpunk next week when I can finally get a little bit more time on with it. I've only had about two or three hours in it so far, and I don't feel it's justifiable to talk about a game like that after that because the first section of the game takes a bit, and I just was not feeling great when I started playing it, and again, some other personal things have happened, so hopefully I'll get some more time on it um, in the next couple of days. But that's it for gaming. Nothing new coming out really for quite a while, and uh, of course when when we come back in 2021, when I say we, I don't even know what I mean by that, but <laughs> in 2021, more games will start coming as the spring and winter chugs along. But let's, uh, the meat of today's show is really going to be in movies and, and TV. And with that, I do want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the TV world just a bit. Uh, Nicholas Cage was coming to TV and he will be hosting what looks like a docu-series called The History of Swear Words. And that's coming to Netflix soon. I'm totally down to watch that. I love Nick Cage. Can't wait to see what, what he does with that. And HBO is looking to reboot one of its most famous series, True Blood, which was also one of my favorites, actually. Sugar, Sugar Stackhouse. You know, with um, Bill. But it looks like, yes, like I said, it looks like they're looking to reboot, which I'm kind of surprised by. And Robert Roberto Aguirre Sacasa is working on it. He's behind, you know, Sabrina and Riverdale. So, you know, he's probably the perfect person to do that because those shows are like True Blood Light. And he's looking to reboot the project and no official announcements. This is all rumored right now, but it ran from 2008 to 2014, 80 episodes total, but... What I want to know is, are they going to base it off the books again? Are they going to be more true to the books this time? Is it going to be a continuation series, a full sequel series? And I just, I don't know what's going to happen with that show. I really, like I said, I really liked the original. I, I don't think, I don't really remember watching season one. I think I came in on season two or three, but it, it got me hooked from there. And let me actually look when I started watching. So yeah, I, I started watching in season two. So I, I really loved the show from then on out. So I only missed one season, but it'll be interesting to see how they reboot it and how it stays with what the original was. But the original kind of went off the rails towards the end as well. So We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, we also got news that Funimation will be buying Crunchyroll for one point two billion dollars. Yeah, that's right. Crunchyroll is being purchased by Funimation for one point two billion dollars. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. I didn't think that Crunchyroll would be worth that because. Yes, I know it's a streaming service for anime, and I'm sure it's it's gotten big numbers recently, but 
1.2 billion and granted with with Funimation buying them you can that's a big access to their huge backlog so which I think is already on Crunchyroll but still that's a big big move for them um we also got news from the FX networks uh it's always sunny has been renewed for four more seasons which will make it one of the longest running live action sitcoms in history Atlanta was renewed for another season. What We Do in the Shadows was renewed for another season. Archer and a few more FX shows will be getting a few more seasons in the coming years. Uh, on top of that, they also announced that Noah Hawley, uh, who, who created Fargo and Legion, will be working on an alien show for FX, and he'll, he will be working with series creator Ridley, Ridley Scott, uh, to make sure that they have some nice horror elements. And it will be the first one that will be set on Earth in the franchise. And technically, all of that was announced at Disney's Investor Day, which... Shit. <laughs> Whoa. Megaton of information dropped on Thursday, on uh, Thursday at the same time as the Game Awards, no less. This was essentially like a mini... Since D23 conference wasn't held and they weren't really at at comic-con this year holy fuck dude this was a shit fucking ton of information okay a fuck ton of news when it comes to disney plus we got a announcement that the cassian andor show is currently in production and we got a bit of a teaser reel and there will be 200 named characters in the show and of course, Diego Luna is back to play Cassian Andor. This is a prequel to Rogue One. Uh, no release date yet. The Kenobi show got a, a small teaser, and it will start. It will begin production early next year. And it, what's really cool is the title. It looks a lot like how the um, a Star Wars story titles looked. So it's clear that this was kind of adapted from there. And the eye in Kenobi is actually his lightsaber, which is really cool. And what they announced was Hayden Christensen is returning as Darth Vader. But the series takes place about 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. So how is he playing Darth Vader? Because at this point, he'd be burned to a crisp and wearing his out his 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 complete, you know, suit that keeps him alive. So either it's gonna be flashback scenes. Or some kind of forced ghost is going to be haunting Obi-Wan. Or we're going to get actual Vader scenes like hunting down Obi-Wan and it will be like the B-plot of the series. And maybe we'll see him as, as Anakin in his, uh, you know, hibernation, no, his meditation chamber. Like the one we first saw in Empire Strikes Back. Also... Uh, the, a new show called The Acolyte was announced, which will tie into the High Republic multimedia event that they're doing, which is uh, the High Republic era, which is just a few hundred years before The Phantom Menace. And it might be dark side focused. A lot of people were throwing around possibly Darth Plagueis being, being rumored, but timeline-wise it wouldn't fit. Uh, the director of Dear White People is going to be directing a Lando Calrissian event series. No word on if it will be Donald Glover or if it will be Billy D. Williams. Uh, no release date on that. The Mandalorian is getting two spin-off shows. An Ahsoka show with Rosario Dawson coming back to star as Ahsoka. And then Rangers of the New Republic, which will 
possibly follow Cara Dune, if not characters like her, as Rangers of the New Republic, hopefully out on um, in the Outer Rim. No release dates for those either. However, we did get an announcement for The Mandalorian Season 3. Unfortunately, we will have to wait till Christmas Day of next year for Season 3 of The Mandalorian. A little, little unfortunate. A new anime anthology Star Wars show was announced called Star Wars Visions, as well as a new show called A Droid Tale, which will focus on R2-D2, C-3PO, and a new droid character. And it will be a, a new show from ILM and Disney Animation, it looked like. And then we got a trailer for the next animated show in Star Wars, The Bad Batch, which of course will be a sequel series to The Clone Wars. And the trailer showed off stuff from both during The Clone Wars time, uh, during Revenge of the Sith, because it shows Palpatine's Galactic Empire speech, as well as time what looks like post-Revenge of the Sith. So a little bit after Order 66, it looks like. And what was really cool is the title, they cut to, like, the Clone Wars, but then it starts burning away to show the Bad Batch. And it will take place after the final season of the Clone Wars, because Echo was shown as a member of the Bad Batch. And this show has me fucking hyped, for sure. If they show Order 66 and the fallout from it, ooh, we haven't really gotten that yet. So I'm down for that, dude. Dave Filoni knows how to make a great fucking show. Oh, we'll talk about the Mandalorian's episode after this uh over on the marvel side a new show was announced secret invasion with samuel jackson and ben mendelson returning as nick fury and talos respectively we got a new show announcement ironheart which will focus on riri williams taking over as as uh the new iron man i forget what her name is ironheart no ironheart that's the name of the show i'm trying to remember what her character name is in as her persona in the comics. We also got our first look at the Miss Marvel TV show. They, they've they already started filming. A new show starring Don Cheadle as War Machine coming back called Armor Wars, where he will try to make sure that Tony's tech doesn't fall into the wrong hands. A Baby Groot animated special show, almost like Forky Asks a Question with Baby Groot. James Gunn will be directing a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which will air in 2022. <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier will expect it to launch in March, so that show will finally come out, even though it was supposed to come out this year. Damn COVID. Loki uh, will drop in May, and we got a trailer in indicating it will be a very across-time and, and space and universe-type show, it looks like. Owen Wilson will be in the show as well. I'm very excited to see that show and, and see where it goes. What If, we got a new trailer for, featuring uh, the essentially the last appearance of Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, who is now Star-Lord in the What If stories, as well as a couple other options, and that will drop this summer, or upcoming summer. Uh, Tatiana Maslany is officially confirmed as playing She-Hulk in the She-Hulk show. Mark Ruffalo will return as the Hulk, and Tim Roth is returning to play the Abomination, who we have not seen since the Hulk movie uh, in 2008. And then over on the Disney-Pixar side, we are getting a Moana show, which will premiere in two years, a Tiana show, which will be a prequel to The Princess and the Frog, a Baymax show, which I think they're saying will serve as a sequel to... Um, what's that movie? 
uh, Big Hero 6. Zootopia Plus, which is really funny because it's going to show like different reality shows and things like that in Zootopia land. So it's like Disney Plus, but Zootopia Plus. Uh, Iwaju, which is going to be, they're working with a African studio to make a Afrofuturist focus show, which I think will be really cool. And then Pixar announced three shows. Doug Days, which will be focused on Doug the Dog from Up. A Cars show, which will see Mater and Lightning McQueen go around the, on a world tour. Or US tour, I don't remember. And then Win or Lose, a new show focused on a softball team. So all that is coming to Disney Plus in the next few years. I'm very excited for the Star Wars shows. I am very excited to see where these new Marvel shows take us. Over on the Disney Animation side, Cars is what I'm more focused on, as well as the Iwaju show. I want to see where that goes. Uh, the other shows, I, whatever. But, whoa, dude, whoa. Huge implications. Ahsoka show will theoretically be a sequel to The Mandalorian. And that means, I'm guessing Thrawn will show up here. More than on on the Mandalorian, Range of the Rangers of the New Republic could be an anthology show if they do it right, and I think that will work perfectly. I think that'd be really cool in terms of showing different outer rim worlds or other planets in the New Republic that maybe were from. Le here is here is a show where they could bring in a lot of Legends stuff and make it into the new canon, which I hope they do. It all comes down to who's writing it and and how reverent they are to the old stuff and to Star Wars in general. Lando I'd be excited for. I'm happy it's just an event series because that could get stale pretty quickly. The Acolyte will be interesting to see and if they do focus on the dark side I'll, I'll be very happy to see that. I don't I still don't understand how Vader is back in Kenobi. I wish I hope they kind of adapt from the John Jackson Miller book Kenobi which of course is now Legends but was about Kenobi after his arrival on Tatooine. The Bad Batch is going to be great because the Clone Wars was great, so there's no reason it won't be. Visions, the anime show, should be cool if they're all done in different anime styles. Andor, the Cassian Andor show, as long as K2SO is back, then, then I have no worry. And a droid tale is the one I don't really care for. On Marvel side, Secret Invasion, I'm guessing, so the Fury show isn't happening, but this is going to be Fury and Talos. Does this mean Talos turns on Fury? Does this mean there's a, a Super Scrolls that are enemies of the Scrolls we now know as allies? Does it mean that the the Kree are the ones invading? Are they going to flip the script? A lot of questions there. Armor Wars? Sounds like a very expensive, effects-heavy show. <laughs> What are they doing with the Gardens of the Galaxy holiday special? Are they going to do like a some kind of holiday thing that Star Lord practiced practiced with the uh, with the Ravagers? Is he bringing Christmas to the crew of the Milano? Uh, what what's going on here? What is going on here? And ooh, we didn't talk about the Hawkeye show. A lot of screenshots have been coming out. They really didn't talk about it at the the Investor Day either, which is kind of weird. But Haley Steinfeld is officially confirmed, even though screenshots already came out. She's looking really good as the, um, oh, what's her name? Kate Bishop. Uh, 
and that show looks like it's going to be really good as well. So we'll we'll hopefully um, have a good time with that show, which I'm not worried about. It's MCU stuff, so it, it should all be good. And before we move on to movies, I do want to talk about Mandalorian. So, after last week's epicness, we took a bit of a step back and had some interesting roles here in, in the show. Bill Burr is back as Miggs Mayfield, and honestly, Bill Burr is the greatest addition to Star Wars, and I said this last year in his first episode, Bill Burr is the greatest addition to Star Wars in a very, very long time. He is a great character playing a former Imperial sharpshooter, and they expand on that more in this episode and show like a side of Star Wars you've never seen before with like PTSD and things like that. Uh, Mando is starting to break away from his creed as he changes outfits to to sneak into a Imperial facility so Migs can find out where um, Moff Gideon is. And he also shows his face to people who all get murked though, so it doesn't matter. There's a, a cool little chase scene with a, a new version of the Juggernaut and some pirates and uh, uh a substance called Rhydonium, which is a very explosive substance and is used to create explosives. So it's a, a fun little scene there where they can't drive too fast, but they got to be careful so they don't get blown up. They're saved by TIE fighters in this really cool scene, which you're not really supposed to cheer for the Empire, but it was really cool to see that. And then fucking shore troopers are back. So this episode was pretty much like Rogue One 2.0 <laughs> because there's a lot of callbacks to Rogue One. And the Shore Troopers being back. The Shore Troopers are essentially one of my favorite additions to the Trooper Corps, to the Stormtrooper Corps that Disney added. And just their whole outfit is really cool with like brown, brown greaves um, and pants and like the, the tan colored armor. And their helmet is very different and cool. It's almost like a mix and an adaptation of a Scout Trooper helmet, which I really enjoy. And it was really cool to see them being back. Uh, and we had a nice kind of group of them with Fennec Shand, which is uh, uh, Ming-Na Wen coming back with Boba Fett. We get some cool interior shots of, of Slave One, which have never been explored before and shows how the ship, you know, it has that interesting landoff and then how it flies or um, landing pattern. And which kind of going back, so we see more of Fennec Shand. I forgot to mention, they all mention why they can't sneak into this facility because they're all recognizable. It's kind of the MacGuffin. Obviously, Boba Fett can't go in there because he's Boba Fett and obviously his face, he looks all like the clones because it's an ISB facility and they're, they need a facial scan. Miggs Mayfield obviously isn't going to work because he's a deserter, technically. And Cara Dune, a rebel... So, the Mando is the only one who can do it. But Fennec Shand also says she's hunted by ISB. She's actually in the trailer for the Bad Batch. And it looks like there's going to be a rebellion on Kamino, and she might be involved. So, I, I like this synergy that they're having. And it's kind of like reverse of a character coming from animation to live action, where a live action character or a character created in live action is now going to be coming to animation. Um, but then, the best part about this episode 
is they're taken off in Slave 1, they're being pursued by TIE Fighters, and we see something we haven't seen since Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Slave 1 drops its sonic charge, or seismic charge, and we hear that... And it just... Oh, so good. So good to see it back in, in live action. It, it's been sorely missed. And it's good to see Slave 1 get some badass things done as well. But next week is the season finale. Next week. In two days is the season finale, I should say. Oh man, I don't know what they're going to do. It is going to be big, big, big. I think they're getting Grogu back for sure. And I hope we get some more badassness of, of Boba Fett. Just please don't fucking kill Boba Fett. People will riot if they did that. Granted, this isn't Game of Thrones, so I don't I don't expect them doing that, to be honest. But, yeah, a lot of fucking shit announced by Disney for Disney+. Plus Between Star Wars, Marvel, and Disney Animation, that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20... 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. At least 28 new series within the next three to four years, right? And it's your cost for Disney Plus is only going up a dollar. A dollar as Disney focuses their shift to streaming. How about that? And we're not done talking about Disney Investor Day. That's it for TV, though. Let's talk about movies, right? Let's move shift over to the movie world. Matthew Vaughn was being interviewed recently. And he said he's plotting out about seven more Kingsman films in varying, varying stages of, of development. Seven. 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 I'm all for it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm all for it. Those movies love to ham it up. And they are a great like foil to the James Bond films as they've kind of gone back to what the old James Bond was like as James Bond has gotten more serious. And I'm all fucking for it, folks. I am all for it. All for it. And, you know, we talked about... We talked about the HBO Max deal and how that's blowing up the movie world right now. Well, it will continue to do so as Legendary Entertainment, who partnered with Warner Brothers to make Dune, as well as, uh, you know, they're the, the co-creators of the MonsterVerse with, with Godzilla and Toho, so they're behind Godzilla vs. Kong as well, and they may seek legal action against Warner Brothers for the move, and uh, per Variety, they were the production company, they foot most of the bill. And both of those films cost over $150 million to, to make. And they don't have say a whole lot of say in, in release. And it it's they don't want to lose their cut, essentially. And they may sue and are hoping they don't have to. They're looking to possibly sue Warner Brothers over it. Because, you know, they pay for a movie. They want their return. They don't want to be left out in the cold. Out of 300 plus million dollars, you know. I get it. I get it. I get it. But they'll make their month some money back. <laughs> I, 
unless theaters open, unless everything changes next year, do we go back to normal? Who knows? But it's not just them. Christopher Nolan has spoken out, also calling HBO Max the worst streaming service. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, per The Hollywood Reporter, he said, quote, Some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find they were working for the worst streaming service, unquote. Which, ooh, ooh. HBO Max is not great. Don't get me wrong. It's not perfect. They're finally putting 4K. But he also said, quote, Warner Brothers had an incredible machine for getting a filmmaker's work out everywhere, both in theaters and in the home, and they are dismantling it as we speak. They don't even understand what they're losing. Their decision makes no economic sense, and even the most casual Wall Street investor can see the difference between disruption and dysfunction. End quote. Whoa, he's essentially saying, this is fucked. Granted, he is a major supporter of the theater business, and and me and him agree on very few things, because he recently said he loves the Fast and the Furious franchise, So, but he thinks Tokyo Drift is the best, so... But, we both agree that nothing beats a movie theater experience. Nothing beats a movie theater experience. But he's not the only big-name director to come out against this the, this move. Uh, the director of Dune, Denny Villanueva, he also spoke out against it. And he was talking with Variety and said, quote, With this decision, AT&T has hijacked one of the most respectable and important studios in film history. Absolutely no love for cinema nor the audience here. It's all about the survival of a telecom mammoth one that is currently bearing an astronomical debt of more than $150 billion. With HBO Max's launch a failure thus far, AT&T decided to sacrifice Warner Brothers an entire 2021 slate in a desperate attempt to grab the audience's attention. Filmmaking is a collaboration. They are no longer on the same team. And streaming services are a positive and powerful addition to the movie and TV ecosystems. However, they can't sustain the film industry as we know it as we knew it before COVID. Movies of Dune's scope and scale are not meant for that. Um, I'm paraphrasing here. And he doesn't think they'll he said this move has quote killed the Dune franchise, unquote. He also said, quote, Vaccinations will be advanced and hopefully the virus behind us. Science tells us that everything should be back to a new normal next fall. End quote. So that way Dune can succeed in theaters when it releases next October. Um, he went on and on to say that, you know, he doesn't agree with it. And I, I agree with him here. AT&T wants more money from HBO Max than they do from the theater. And when AT&T took over Warner Brothers, look, Disney taking over Fox... There's a lot of questions there, but I'm not super upset because as long as they treat it separately and don't Disneyfy it, it'll be fine. AT&T buying Warner Brothers is an entirely different story I do not agree with, okay? Telecoms companies like that should not be owning studios. They are content providers. They should not be content creators, okay? Because... They essentially now can control what they make and how they put it out, right? Netflix and Disney, I get Netflix, you know, hey, they have 
Netflix can't create and and you know provide. They're not technically providing anything. Netflix is like they're a studio that just puts it out directly, just like Disney Plus, right? This isn't AT&T who provides cable, who provides phones. They they are like over overarching. Like if Disney made their own phones and and cable networks or sorry, if they had their own like cable provider and shit like that, I'm, I wouldn't be okay with it. But AT&T is your internet provider. They're your they provide in a lot of places. They're your cable company in a lot of places. They're your phone service in a lot of places. And now they're saying they they can control the market in a lot of ways that they shouldn't be controlling the market because. What's stopping them from saying, oh, we're only going to put this on UVerse subscribers. Oh, only if you have AT&T internet. Oh, only if you have DirecTV. Oh, only if you have AT&T cell phones. Like, nuh-uh. Mm-mm. No, go fuck yourself, dude. Disney's not doing that. Yes, they have that deal with Verizon, but that doesn't mean other people can't get Disney Plus, right? Because what happens if you can't like get AT&T cable in your area, right? And they did that. No, fuck that, dude. That's why I'm not okay with that. Like I wouldn't be okay with Verizon buying you know what studios are left. I don't Universal or some shit. Like no, I'm not okay with that shit. Okay? Studios buying other studios, I'm fine with. Companies like that buying studios, I'm not okay with. So I agree with with him here. It's like they said the movies we just want our streaming money because they think that's where they're going to make all their money and it could blow up in their faces and it could ruin a lot of like he said he wants dune to hopefully become a franchise for real and if if it's just streaming it might not work they can't put the money behind it that it deserves but i don't know man i don't know i don't know also, got word uh, Joe Manganello was being interviewed and decided to talk about the unmade Ben Affleck Batman movie that he was going to star in opposite Ben Affleck. And, oh man, I just really... He said it was a lot like David Fincher's The Game movie and... You know, the hunting, being hunted by Deathstroke, essentially. And it was also similar to the Frank Miller and David Mazzuccelli's version of Daredevil, Born Again. And he said it's just where Deathstroke would be launching a, a prolonged assault on Bruce Wayne's, you know, life and identity and reputation. And quote from Joe here, quote, it was a really dark story in which Deathstroke was like a shark or a horror movie villain that was dismantling Bruce's life from the inside out. It was the systemic thing. He killed everyone close to Bruce and destroyed his life to try and make him suffer because he felt that Bruce was responsible for something that happened to him, unquote. This is to Yahoo. And now I want to watch this fucking movie. Ben Affleck, please, please come back and be Batman again and, and make this movie. Please. Please do so. 
I just, oh man, I want it back. Please, please, Ben Affleck, make this Batman movie because this Batman movie sounds way better than than anything we could have gotten. Granted, no, no offense to Matt Reeves's Batman, which could still be very fucking good. I just, that's a Batman movie I wanted to watch right there. You know, and people are like, oh, Deathstroke's not a Batman villain. Go fuck yourself, dude. Deathstroke is the ultimate villain and could totally be a Batman villain. He doesn't have to just be a Nightwing and Teen Titans villain. He's wasted on them, if you ask me. He is wasted on them. But, okay. Before we talk about Disney Investor Day at the movies, because they didn't really talk about this particular movie, let's talk about Spider-Man 3, or whatever it ends up being called. The third film in the in the Tom Holland Spider-Man franchise. And at this point, they should just call it Spider-Man 4. Because more people from the Raimi Spider-Man are going to be in it at this point than, than anyone from the Andrew Garfield films. Alfred Molina was now seen on site. Rumoring now people think he's going to be playing Doc Ock again. And Stephen Strange is being... Or Doctor Strange is being hailed as like a co-star like a main lead in the film so he's probably taking over for tony stark at this point which now begs the question is this like a live action spider-verse film and we're getting news every day about other possible people being in it so we already knew jamie fox is coming back as electro now alfred molina is coming back as doc ock more and more rumors are swirling that toby mcguire and andrew garfield are back to play the different versions of peter parker also rumored are Kirsten Dunst and Emma Emma Stone to come back. Charlie Cox, this rumor's been floating around for a while, but Charlie Cox might be back as Daredevil because people love his version of Daredevil, which makes sense because it's technically MCU, it's technically not. And now we're, we're reading that possibly Willem Dafoe will be back as Green Goblin and Thomas Hayden Church back as Flint Marco or Sandman. It's really funny. It's really funny that Sam Raimi is not back directing. He's going to be directing the Doctor Strange, the second Doctor Strange film, where where John Watts is is doing this film. But it's like it's pretty much Spider Man Four because it's pretty much everyone from the Raimi films, and we already know J.K. Simmons is back as Joe Jonah Jameson. So like we should just call it Spider-Man 4 at this point because it's it is Spider-Man 4. <laughs> it's not all all we need is is James Franco coming back as Harry and and we're done. We're done here. I'll just wrap it up. Jesus, man. This is funny. This is hilarious that this is happening. Um and speaking of Doctor Strange 2, Rachel McAdams is confirmed to be back as uh Night Nurse Christine I can't think of her last name, but all right, let's talk about the Disney Investor Day in terms of movies. So over at Lucasfilm, we are confirmed for Indy 5 is coming out in 2022. It will be directed by James Mangold, and it will be the final indie story or end of Indiana Jones's story, as they put it, with Harrison Ford returning. No word on if uh, Shia LaBeouf is coming back. But given some recent news stories, I don't see that happening. But please just be the last indie film. Don't ever recast indie, please. Just don't ever do this, ever. Please just make this the final indie film. 
James Mangold knows how to do that with what he did with Logan. Uh, Taika Waititi is still developing his fun, different take on the Star Wars universe. Uh, as they they called it, what, here, let's see what, what, what did they exactly say, Kathleen Kennedy. His, quote, fresh, unique, and unexpected take on the franchise, which I'm all for. I love Taika. He, he knows how to make a great fucking movie with Thor 4. Thor 3, sorry, and then he'll be making Thor 4 and, of course, the What We Do in the Shadows film. So I'm all for it. Uh, And then we finally know what the first Star Wars movie will be post, you know, Rise of Skywalker. This releases at the end of 2023. It will be directed by Patty Jenkins. Yes, Patty Jenkins of Wonder Woman Direction. And it's going to be a Rogue Squadron film. Yes, folks, you heard that correctly. It's Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron. But it won't be based on the books or movies. And no word on if Luke or Wedge will be involved. Because if they're going to do a young Luke, they should do it with Sebastian Stan. Because he looks freakish, freakishly a, li- a lot like Mark Hamill as young when Mark Hamill was younger. So it's really weird in that regard. And uh, I don't know how they'd get a young Dennis Law, how who they would get to play uh, a younger version of Dennis Lawson, the man who played Wedge. But it'll be interesting to see how they do this, uh, how this Rogue Squadron film. But I'm I'm all fucking for it, dude. An X-wing movie, and then Patty Jenkins comes out swinging, saying, "I want to make make the best fighter pilot movie that's ever been made." But do it with Rogue Squadron. I'm all in, boys. Sign me up. I cannot wait the three years now because it's officially going to be three years from this month. Holy shit. That seems so far away. Ah! I wonder if that will affect her making Wonder Woman 3. But let's move over to the Marvel side now. Christian Bale is confirmed to be playing the villain in Thor 4. uh, And Jamie Alexander will be back to play Lady Sif. That film has been pushed back, though, to May 6th, 2022. Uh, still being directed by Taika Waititi. But I'm excited to see where that film goes. It's interesting now, Christian Bale joining the uh, the Marvel-verse over there. Ant-Man and the Wasp 3 is officially confirmed. It will be called Ant-Man and the Wasp 3 Quantumania. It, will be, it is confirmed that Kang the Conqueror will be the villain. And uh, I'll... A bit of a, a strange occurrence here. Cassie Lang, uh, who was played by Emma Furman in Avengers Endgame, is being replaced, um, I guess. And she will now be played by the star of that new movie, Freaky, Catherine Newton. And a lot of people are very confused as to why she was recast. No official word on that. In terms of Black Panther 2, Chadwick Boseman will not be replaced as as T'Challa. So I'm guessing they're going to find a way to to retire his character. Uh, And Black Panther 2 has been pushed to July 8th of 2022. And we also got confirmation that John Watts, director, as I previously mentioned, of the Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home, will be directing... The Fantastic Four movie for the MCU. No surprise here, folks. As 
Spider-Man and Fantastic Four have a, a rich history. Of course, Spider-Man first debuted in the Fantastic Four. I hope, though, that we get, you know, a Deadpool and Spider-Man movie because that's really what we need right now. I mean, and I'm being serious. We need we need a Deadpool Spider-Man movie because those two would play perfectly off of each other. And I am very, very, very happy. But we'll see how that goes. And then it was also confirmed that Captain Marvel 2 has been pushed to November 11th of 2022. So be on the lookout for that. Over on the Disney Pixar, Disney and Pixar side, uh, the next film in the Disney animated series, uh, well, animated series, I mean animated film, Raya and the Last Dragon will release in theaters and Disney Plus day and date in May. However, Raya and the Last Dragon, if you want to watch it on Disney Plus, it will be part of their like premiere, Disney Plus premiere service. So it will cost presumably 30 extra dollars like Mulan did and uh, of course be free later in the year of uh, Mulan is now free of course on Disney Plus and that will release when does that release um I don't I lost uh, May I think it's May hold on let me double check Raya and the Last Dragon and of course they reworked that movie brought in Kelly Marie Tran as the oh March excuse me March 12th I don't know why I thought May anyway March 12th for Raya and the Last Dragon then the 60th Disney animated original film called Encanto will release later in 2021 that will be in theaters it doesn't say anything about Disney Plus and it is Colombian inspired by Colombian culture and music obviously in the name Encanto Spanish, you know, for singing. So look for that next year. Um, also announced that uh, Pixar announced three films. Luca, which is their Italian-inspired film, will release sometime in summer 2021. That is still on the slate. The director of Bao is cre- uh, directing a movie called Red Panda about a girl who turns into a red panda when she's excited. Uh, no release date on that. And in the most unexpected announcement uh, for release in 2022, Lightyear. Yes, you heard that correctly. Lightyear, a movie based on Buzz Lightyear. So it's going to be in-universe. They released an image because it's more photorealistic than than it is like the toys. So it looks like it's almost going to be like it's just like a Buzz Lightyear movie. Like if a Buzz Lightyear movie was released in the Toy Story universe that Andy would go see. And he's going to be played by Chris Evans, Captain America himself. So it's it's not a Toy Story movie. And it's not Tim Allen, Buzz Lightyear. So it's a sci-fi action movie about the real Buzz Lightyear. That's crazy. I don't know how that's going to work. The real Buzz Lightyear? What do you mean the real Buzz Lightyear? Is he a toy that has like a cartoon? Or is he was he a real person? I have so many questions now. I There's so many questions. 
are we gonna get a Woody movie next? Huh? Is that is that what we're getting next? I'm so thrown off by this. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But I don't know, dude. I don't know. That's the Disney Pixar slate. And then we got new release dates from some of the Fox films that they took over. Unfortunately, we have to wait a little bit longer for the Ryan Reynolds starring Free Guy, uh, which will now release on May 21st. The Kingsman has been pushed to March 31st. Or The Kingsman, excuse me, not The Kingsman, as it is a prequel to The Kingsman. And then Death on the Nile, the sequel to Murder on the Orient Express, has been pushed to September 17th. So be on the lookout for that. But that is it, folks. Disney dropped a fucking bomb on all of us this, this past week. And just, whoa, dude. Star Wars is is coming in, coming hot, and I hope they don't burn out the franchise like they did with the films. Granted, the films were coming out way too quickly, and they did not give enough time to people. Marvel is different, because each one of those Marvel films is a different genre, pretty much. Star Wars, you're just, like, beating people down, and you need people need to give people time to think and, like, compose themselves. As long as they they space these shows out in a way... That they're just not hitting back to back to back to back to back. And they're all distinctly distinctively different. I think they can succeed here. And I just don't want them to burn the franchise out. Because Star Wars is my favorite thing. Right? And I just don't want them to run it into the ground. Because that is something a lot of people are concerned for. The people that hate Kathleen Kennedy can shut the fuck up now, too, because they're literally praising her for, for decisions that have been made. And at the end of the day, she she gives the okay to these projects. She's the one that says, yes, go do it. It's not George anymore. It's not. And, you know, Dave Filoni may take over in the future. But anyone who shat on Kathleen Kennedy in the past and. There are some decisions that she's made that people can do that. I, I personally, the only decision I have, or the only decision she made I have an issue with is JJ and bringing him back for Rise of the Skywalker. But other than that, Kathleen has not made any terrible decisions because now everyone is jerking off the Mandalorian. They're stoked for a Rogue Squadron film. They're stoked for an Obi-Wan Kenobi show. An Ahsoka show is greenlit and people are going to lose their goddamn minds over it. Like, people can, like, literally just stop complaining about Kathleen now, please. Plus, this woman has a history of producing some of the best and most beloved films of all time alongside her husband, Frank Marshall. Right? Let me... And, and I know I'm going on a weird rant about Kathleen Kennedy right now because of all the amazing Star Wars things she's she's done and people just rag on her. She has produced, like I said, some of the most beloved movies in history. E.T., right? Jurassic Park. Twister. I'm kidding. Twister's not beloved. Jurassic, <laughs> AI. Munich. War of the Worlds, right? The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. War Horse. Lincoln. Okay, 
she essentially gave the okay for Rogue One to be made. Without her, Rogue One probably wouldn't have been made. She's also produced Gremlins, Back to the Future, An American Tale, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Back to the Future Part 2, right? All the American Tale movies, Schindler's List, We're Back, A Dinosaur Story, love that movie, The Flintstones, dude. Like, this woman has produced some of the greatest films in history that people love. She produced, helped produce some of the, the Indiana Jones films. She helped, she co-executive produced The Land Before Time. Like, this woman knows what the fuck she's doing. So y'all need to shut your fucking mouth when you say that she doesn't know what she's doing. Because she does. But anyway, that is it for Nick's Nerd News this week. We will have an episode next week. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere, even though it's Christmas. Thank you guys for listening. I, I try to be your constant in, in this dumpster fire of 2020, and hopefully 2021 will be a newer, brighter, better year for all of us. But again, thank you guys for listening. This has been Nick's Nerd News. Today was... December 16th, 2020. As always, check out nicksnerdnews.com where you can listen to the show right in your browser. Or if you prefer to listen to us on the go, you can find links to our Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcast pages. Also, while you're there, check out our social tab where you can see us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can see all of our feeds right there on one page. You don't have to go far. But thank you guys for listening. And I will catch you guys on the flip side.